Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else, which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working towards the day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Knowing him more and more, knowing me. Welcome to your Carl House and now a senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. Okay, Matthew 28. We'll um, take it off from what we started yesterday and um, I trust that we're able to do good number of things and today and tomorrow now yesterday i did say something in the evening session which i wanted to say in the morning but i will say it now and i said that one of the things that jesus taught his disciples in luke 24 and 27 uh we said uh, and he taught them how to interpret diamanio d-i-e-r-h-e-r-m-e-u so we said it is to show the meaning of a text and so i said last night that one of the things you learn is exegesis, E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. Exegesis, we said, is a skill. Someone say it's a skill. Now, I, I know you have different professions. Uh, we have doctors. We have lawyers. We have teachers. We have uh, different kinds of people uh, who are auto-mechanics. We call them auto-engineers now. And we have those who are tailors that they call, they're now called uh, stylists. That, that's a new name, right? Okay. But, you know, there are skills that, you know, people have based on whatever they do. Uh, have you tried to take pictures? And then you see the difference between a professional photographer who knows how to take the pictures. He's skillful. He knows exactly what to do. And I remember one time like that, um, there was a beach party. And this fellow just collapsed. And as he collapsed, um, everybody was, hey, hey, and, and Christians were there, Muslims, everybody was there. And have you ever found yourself in that kind of situation? Everybody's praying in different languages. You know, you know what I mean by that. <laughs> and this doctor just said, hold on, don't touch him. And then, hey, hey, then he calmly, that was the point, calmly knew exactly what to do. And the guy came back to life. We'll have spent time saying, and we came back to consciousness, we'll have spent time without that skillful person praying when we just need a skill. And that skill is also God-given anyway. <laughs> a skill. You know, try to uh, pour oil. Like some people, you know, some, some guys are oily Christians. Pour oil in the car, not working. He pour and say, begin to walk now in Jesus' name. <laughs> and the car finally breaks down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the person just used a skill, very careful. And this guy came back to life. I mean, well, wasn't dead, but came back to consciousness. And I was looking at this. We were like, <gasps> but the point was, he went through six years or seven years medical school if in Nigeria, put an X behind that. And he <laughs> went to housemanship, had the youth service. Probably had a residency program, had enough time to know what to do. 
So, skills are acquired over time. Someone told me one time, he said, I want to be able to preach like you do. I love to say that to Kenneth Hagin too. I love to preach like you do, but the truth is, it might be a bit difficult because you might have to acquire it with time. And that's something, if you know this, this upcoming generation don't like time. It must happen now. I'm trying to answer questions, and people say, uh, so what is in this verse? And you say, well, um, let me lead you to a series. Say, what series? Tell me now. <laughs> they don't like process. They just think it should happen now. So skills are acquired over time of exposing yourself. And I'm sure uh, for many of us who are here today, you have your different professions. There are some classes you didn't want to go to. Am I right? All right, you don't want to lie. Okay, lie. There are some questions, classes you prefer not to go. Left for me, I'll have preferred them to give me my law degree on the first day of school. I say, are you sure you want to be a lawyer? Yes. Is it from your heart? Sincerely, take. I love that. You know, I was talking to one of my supervisors. I'm still a student, though. And I said, sorry, when is this program over? That means I've not changed. So when is it over? He said, you just started. I said, I know. I'm just wondering, can we shorten the process? <laughs> you think I'm crazy. And I'm thinking, let me just have the degree quickly. So I put it on my card. Do we all like things like that? You know, but we don't like the, the rigorous classes, the kind of things you go through. So, Exiges the skills you acquire over time. Even the times you didn't really like what was being preached. It's not every sermon you are going to like. You are not a liker. Say, I love Pastor Gilbert. Why? Ah, when he's teaching on the blood of Jesus. Oh my God. Okay? What about when he's teaching on living right? Mm, it's fine. <laughs> A pastor is not here to serve you a la carte. <laughs> I'll give you a menu. Choose. What do you want today? Uh, pastor, I think uh, for this period, let's just talk about, uh, 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 I don't have any topic in my mind. Let's just talk about prayer. You know, Okay, you take prayer. Uh, no. Whatever you meet in the service, so it is. I can start a season in the name of Jesus last week and this week I say, I'm not in the name of Jesus now. Now, I want to talk about discipline. And then sometimes some people start changing their seats. Oh, Pastor, give us this deep, deep revelation. The deep one that will make you drown. Huh? <laughs> so, exegesis is acquired over time. It now conditions you in the way you think. When you take scriptures, you are now more serious-minded. So we say it's a skill that you have which gives you the ability to ask intelligent and interpretative questions about what you are reading. Good, intelligent, and interpretative questions about what you are reading. 
Dali's words. Is someone recording this? Whose phone is this? Okay. You just be careful. You know, these days everybody records. Some guys will record the rapture if they have. They can. Just asking you. Sorry for, for embarrassing you. <laughs> you know, you just need to know. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's a skill. You get the skill by feeding on the word. The things you have heard of me, 2 Timothy 2, 2 amongst many witnesses. Now, Paul was so confident on who Timothy was. He spoke to him on a personal, on personal terms. He said to him, you know my doctrine, 2 Timothy 3, 10. You know it already. 2 Timothy 3, 14. You know, knowing and you are short of whom you learned it. That is, he knows he thinks like him. He knows he will handle the word like him. That's why he says to him in 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show that he approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Of course, the word study there is podazo in the Greek, S-P-O-D-A-Z-O, which means be diligent, be diligent, majorly be zealous, something like that, but be diligent. Now, notice that he uses that phrase for him in that same letter three times. Three times. Be diligent. Be diligent, which means you catch this also from your pastor. You catch it. You catch it. He caught. Now, the diligence, right? He said, be diligent. 2 Timothy 2, 15. 2 Timothy 4, 9. He says, be diligent to come to me. 2 Timothy, then that should be 4, 14 or so. Again, he says, be diligent. Three times, he says, be diligent, which means that with association, we're going to see the importance of that in a moment. The association, he caught that. He says, to show yourself approved of God, 2 Timothy 2.15, a workman that need not be ashamed. Remember, he told him in 2 Timothy 1.12 not to be ashamed of the gospel. A workman that need not be ashamed. Why did he say that? Because if you, if you, if you look at it, that statement was sandwiched between him telling him to endure, 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 through to about verse 9 and 10. To endure, to suffer for Christ, and all that. Then he says there are so many traducers, so many false teachers. They are bound everywhere. But you, you know me, right, Timothy? You study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He said there are some whose word, he says, he's like canker. He said, but you, no. If anybody names the name of the Lord, let him depart from iniquity. So which means, what he's telling Timothy is this, no matter what is popular, no matter what is in vogue, you stand out with the word. But look at the key word there. It says, rightly dividing. A Greek word, ototomio. O-R-T-H-O-T-O-M-E-O. O-R-T-H-O-T-O-M-E-O. Now, that word, you know, he's taken from a word around that, that's like the word otos, O-R-T-O-S. It means to be, to straighten something, something like that. But majorly, what Paul is saying is be careful. Now, if you are a true member of Yakal House, assuming you are in a place, and you're in your workplace, and then they say, uh, excuse me, um, can somebody just share with us? And it's just for 10 minutes. Just share with us. It's just 10 minutes. And the moment they say that, you remember how your pastor will do it. Why? Because you caught something, right? So, you don't just talk 
loosely because it's your workplace. You know that every opportunity is a call to ministry. Even in your family devotion. Don't say rubbish in your family devotion. You know, pick the word of God and talk carefully. Because look at an example. Acts 8. Philip had gone to Samaria to preach Christ, 5 and 6. He had miracles and all that. And he also had uh, Simon the sorcerer who was filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts 8, 14 through to 22. So he's taken by the Spirit to the wilderness, to the back of the desert, and then he sees an Enoch. The Enoch is a well-placed individual in the society. Okay? So he's on a chariot. Maybe because of the way we are today, we don't know what it means to be on a chariot. Now, a chariot, not everybody has chariots. Jesus never had chariots. Jesus didn't, now, let's, let me try and explain to you. A donkey, or called an ass, ASS, is like um, a car for the middle class people. Middle class people, upper class, you know, they use a donkey. Those who don't have, now, sometimes you can hire a donkey in those days, just like you do Uber, you know. And then you have a, a taxify or boat. Now, you know how those who have chariots. Chariots are used by the elite, right? It's like saying limousine today. You know, limousine, no limousine? Don't know limousine. I didn't say kerosene, I said limousine. Okay, you have a limousine. You have a limousine sometimes, you know, you don't, those are the cars you don't steal limousines. You can't steal a limousine. That's like being an idiot. Why do you want to, well, you know, limousines are specifically designed and sold to specific individuals. You know, if your name is not on that list, they'll say, hey, excuse me, how do you get this? Who gave you to drive? So you don't, there are some things you don't steal them. So when you, those who buy them, no, they can't be stolen. You don't steal limousine. You don't sell it. You don't say, I have a limousine to sell. They will go, where you come from? Yeah, well, well, I'm just one guy from say, you're, you're a thief. So you, you don't. so you have a limousine, the chariot. Now imagine you walk up to someone in a chariot. Don't forget, you're at the back of the desert. How you got there, nobody knows. And so you go there, and the guy's reading the Bible loud. And he approaches him. Then the man asks a question. And he says, well, uh, he, said, he said, do you understand what you're reading? And uh, he said, well, Enoch said, how could I, except some man should help me. Then he says, well, I want to ask this question. Now, look, no, notice we said, there's a question you can ask because you want to make fun. He says, well, this man, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Now, that is not a mocking question. That is the kind of question that is exegetical. You are asking the question to get an answer. Who's following what I'm saying here? So, what does Timothy do? Now, let me, let me talk. Now, Timothy, sorry, that's, Timothy, that's Philip. Philip was in, don't forget, he's trained by the apostles, Acts 6. He's a Dane, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost, Acts 6, 3. What else? He's a Dane by the apostles, Acts 6, 6. Now, don't forget that he must have been the first set of disciples amongst them. Acts 2, 1 to 4. Acts 2, 42, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which is the word died that you. They are well taught. Now, they are well taught because Jesus taught them well. So he has been exposed, and they didn't teach them, unlike today, they didn't teach them on Zoom. Can I have an amen? amen. You got that, right? Good. They didn't send them sermons by WhatsApp. Can I have an amen? amen. Good. They sat down there, in the service and caught the spirit. They sat down in the service. They were there and caught the spirit. So, Philip, raised by Jesus, 
through the man that he raised. Does that make sense? Philip was trained by Jesus by the man that he trained. So, let's answer like a typical guy in church today. Who is this man talking about? Himself or some other person? <laughs> Actually, he's talking about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not himself. You say, wow! He say, yeah. <laughs> he's talking about Jesus. And he, say, you know, he says, who has believed the Lord's report? So woo, you're so deep. He goes this way, carelessly, beginning at that very scripture, which means, notice, notice that that's how Jesus taught, beginning at Moses, Arake, or Akeoma in the Greek, Luke twenty-four and verse twenty-five. He therefore, so beginning at is. Listen now, it is another short form of systematic theology. He begins systematically, then he begins to explain. Now, let's imagine what he did. Then he preached Jesus to him. Now, notice what the response of the man was. That will tell you what Philip did. The man got up and he says, now I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Now, let me tell you something quickly. There is no son of God in the verse he was reading. So, how did he, there is no Jesus in the verse that he was reading. So, how did he come up with that statement? It means that Philip took him round the scriptures. To have said, son of God. Don't forget, they didn't have the four Gospels. They didn't have the epistles. So it's easy to have said, he just showed him 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father. No. He didn't have Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 16. No. Where did he get son of God from? He must have gone to Exodus 4, 22. Israel is my son and my firstborn. Psalm 2, verse 7. I decree and I say, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. He must have gone through all those texts with him. Then... Had done a proper systematic theology around who the chosen one was, because was what Christ means, the chosen one. Then he brought it all together. Hey, 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 is that not Sunyami? Come on, you were here yesterday, right? Is that not Sunyami? To bring all the facts together. One single question, and the man goes through all the Bible. Is that like Jesus? Come on now. That is exegesis. He caught it. That you don't do yes or no for Bible questions. Okay, if a man commits sin and the rapture should happen, will he make heaven? You don't say yes. That's stupid. By saying yes, you have said other things without knowing. Can a man lose his salvation and go, can a Christian lose his salvation and go to hell? You say, no, he can't. Now, you might have been correct, but you have wrongly said what was right. You do not do a yes or no. Who's following what I'm saying here right now? You learn to say, okay, let's go through the scriptures together. Let's go through the scriptures together. And then we go through it together. And I'll 
as I'm, as I'm teaching, you're asking questions. At the end of the day, have not done a multiple choice question teaching for you. I've explained the word of God to you. That births a deeper and more assured persuasion. In fact, what did the man do? Immediately he said, I need to be baptized with water. Why would he say that? Where did he get water from in Isaiah 53? That means he went back to the Exodus story. That's how you could have asked for water to be baptized. So it means this guy, Philip, knew how to handle scriptures. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You must also realize to do that, Philip must have been patient. 2 Timothy 2.24 A servant of the Lord must be apt to teach. He must not, he must be gentle, sorry. Patient with all. Apt to teach. He must be gentle. You don't start preaching and say, <laughs> I've told you, if you're a member of your car house, you may be seeing this kind of rubbish. Now, when you start a statement like that, how do I want to understand what you're saying? I told you. I told you you should change your church. How is that the expression of scripture? I told you. You don't know anything. No. He must be gentle. Patient. Sometimes you say, let's continue later. I called a guy. He got a hold of one of our books and he began to do a series. And I said to him, excuse me? He always said, you know, I'm just trying to express it. No. You should calm down. Calm down. I said, I take a subject that I already have an understanding of and I stretch it for 10 years. You take my 10 years, I want to put it in 10 hours. How great thou art. And you're going to mess things up. You are going to mess things up. I had to sit him down. I said, I said, when we write our books, I get all our pastors involved in the editorial work. So which means they are present when I'm teaching. They are present when we are writing. They edit it to put it in the format that we release it. Yet they don't teach from it until years after. Things they already know. They don't teach from it. Until years after. But you see some guys, first to yarn. You know, first to yarn? He's just itching you like, sorry, I gave you yesterday. I must say it all. I must say it. Identification unifier is to, do you even know what it means? No. No, you don't do that. A servant of the Lord must be patient. Don't leave service. Pastor just did a series with you, and the series he explained. John 14. In my father's house there are many mansions. This guy just got born again. His name is still Muhammad Abdul Salam. He hasn't changed his name. In fact, he's still contemplating going to the mosque tomorrow. Then you say, follow up today. John 14. Do you know the mansion there is on heaven? The guy said, eh. <laughs> The servant of the Lord must be patient. Apt to teach. Amen. 
One of the things I've learned in Alain from Kenneth Hagin, uh, and not just Hagin, but then majorly Brother, Brother Hagin, is I have a degree. Now, I, I'm not perfect because I miss it a, a lot of times too. I have a degree of control of what I will never say on the pulpit, even though I know it. Because if knowledge is for knowledge's sake, you are worshiping idols. Knowledge is for worship of God. It's not to show off. Paul says it's to build. Or it could in the Greek. And that's why, if you notice, the word to build is obviously one of the most used verb by Paul. And we know what it takes to build. Patience. Now, let me mention this quickly. If you're a pastor just for a few years, you should know this. That the fact that you just taught people something doesn't mean they will understand it. Try repeating it, you will know. Sometimes, six years down the line, you say the same thing again, and they say, wow! I say, what is wow in your mouth? They didn't understand the first time. So the more reason why you must be patient. So we said, exegesis doesn't require patience. Patience, gentleness, is a skill. Is a skill. Also, you don't answer every question. Someone asked me a question. I said, sir, this is this is no, 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 no. I said, go and listen to the series. Why do I do that? Because it's the first, why you are able to listen to the series is to let them, first of all, receive the fruit of patience. Because by the time I come, I, and I know the kind of things that are in the series, you may never even get your answer in that series. But you have other answers that will make you not ask that question again. It is to teach you patience. You guys say, sir, sir, sorry, sir. I know you tell me to go and listen to a series. But you know, somebody's asking me now, now. Say, so tell him you don't know. That's sincere. I'm not your side chick. Sorry, side pastor. Well, that drove on the point, right? Not a side hustle. You know, sir, just give me the answer. You know, they're asking me. I don't, 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 don't let them ask me, where's my God? <laughs> you know. So, exegesis. And I'm saying this to you because you are raising men. You need to, and pastor needs to trust you, to break down what he teaches to the most digestible format. He needs to trust you. That you don't go to the house of a member of the church to show that you are pastor too. So you cram all the Greek words. The Hebrew words. The guy says, good morning. He says, uh, katos. <laughs> Emeras yom. <laughs> he says, uh, uh-huh. he says, Oh, I don't understand. Do you want to say, thank you, sir? Then you say, <laughs> you say, carries on my curious. <laughs> oh, you are very deep. 
You are just looking for attention. Hallelujah. <laughs> so <laughs> exigencies is a skill, right? That you now, if pastor does a series for ten months, automatically you should go thirty months. Fred Price, Doctor Fred Price, is going to be the Lord now. He was such a disciple, of Brother Hagin. Now, forget the other stories afterwards. Brother Hagin will teach one day. Fred Price will take that teaching nine months and explain it. And for many of us, we understood it more from Fred Price than Kenneth Hagin. That means he listened well. A good listener is a good preacher. And more so, listen now, one of the ways that sharpens your ability to teach scriptures is when you act on it. When you see someone who practices the word, it will show in how he explains it. It will be easy to understand. Who's following what I'm saying here? Have you been to a tutorial class where you have the guy that understands the subject and those who crammed it? If there's those who cram, if they miss one line, there's trouble. <laughs> he said, there's something is there. Ah, eh, is it not? <laughs> and he already has a typical question in his head that he wants to answer in the example. They now, let me say in Nigerian life, they dabaru the question. They rearrange how the question, the guy says, ah. He knows the answer. He doesn't know he knows the answer. So he says, hey, but it's supposed to be four cars. Why did he say four vehicles? His head is car, car. When you say four car, the answer is eight. So he says four moving vehicles conveying persons or objects. That expansion has confused him. He says, car, car, moving. <laughs> Even though he knows that Eternal life means that you are saved forever. The way the question came is looking. So he says, ah, I don't this one. I'll suffer, I'll suffer. <laughs> Come on, help me. <laughs> because he didn't understand. He's just cramming. Who's following what I'm saying? He's just cramming. There was one guy like that that wrote something beautiful article on Facebook. I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. I said, let me tell you, let me show you how I know he doesn't know what he's saying. I showed one single sentence. You know, there's a sentence that if you put in a book, is a bomb. It will blow up everything you wrote. Anybody who thinks will say, ah, you just threw this book away. He didn't know because he never understood it. So exegesis is a skill. Are you there? That makes you interpret what you are reading intelligently. You are also careful, right? You are diligent, you are patient, and you are apt to teach. Good. So, Matthew 28, our text, verse 19. Make disciples. We said yesterday that is the word Matthew 2. You know that already, right? Huh? Abba. And I told you it's taken from the word Mantano. Remember that? M-A-N-T-H-A-N-O. Remember? We went to Matthew 11, 27, 28, 29, 30. Yesterday, come unto me over the labor and every lady and I'll give you rest. Okay? So, that's where that is taken from. 
So when Jesus said, go and make disciples of every nation, I said yesterday that verse 20, Matthew 28, it says teaching them, which is the word didasco. Even though they are related, it's not the same thing. What does it mean to make disciples? What does it mean? And yesterday I told you the difference between numerical increase, remember that? And organic increase. Numerical increase means let's fill the chairs. We get the bosses. We get people born again. Fair enough. We just want them to come to church. That is, and so we do all sorts of things to make sure they come to church. We get them bosses to come to church. We, uh, I mean, that's good enough. I mean, if we've gotten them born again, we can help them to get to church. So we say, what will make them come to church? So we say, well, let's do this program, that program, that program, and this program, that program, this program, that program, you know, and we're doing that. And truth, truth, truth be told, that will bring the necessary increase. People are going to come, and uh, even today people are now doing Bible study, and they put it there, free lunch and drinks. Sometimes they almost want to say alcoholic drinks are also allowed, something like that. So you have all the kind of things. Yeah, so the place is full, but we don't know who is seated. So yesterday I said, there's organic growth. Where we know, and I, said, I showed you an illustration yesterday, I said we get the raw materials, remember? Okay, now I know that because I used to run a plastic factory machine, um, uh, industry, and so we bring the raw materials, we buy them, and then we get the mold. The mold is the most critical part, because for us, in the plastic industry, I, I ran a, 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 a plastic factory that we had machines as big as, I think, we had 800 tons. We had, you know, so many of them because it's quite a semi-big uh, industry. And sometimes when the machines are all working, about, uh, we had about 13 of them. <laughs> you almost run out of the place. So when we go to get the mold, and that was about, I bought it about uh, 12 years ago. So when, when, when they get the mold in place, the mold is the most critical element because... If you miss it in the mold, you're done. So what we usually do is we go to our potential customers. Now, we used to do uh, different bucket, paint buckets and all sorts of stuff. We had different molds of machines. We did you know, different loads. In fact, at some point, we had to go and import an extra 12. So we go to the client. What do you want? And then they tell us. Remember one particular one. We went to, um, um, oh, these guys that were bought over by Udwa Investments oh, in the kitchen. What's their name? Burger paints. So we, no, is that burger paints? On, on, about, no, 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 no. The one um, near 7-Up. No. Huh? No. Mayor, DN Mayor. So we went to them, and so I knew the MD, the MD, I knew someone who knew the MD, you know, now we are in Africa, we're networking. So we went there, and the man said, we'll buy from you. So I'm, I'm already happy. I'm making the calculations, 2011. Making the calculation, I'm saying, uh, we'll make, you know, you know in business, you, you have to be very positive. You will have bought a house without making the money. <laughs> so we're already calculating. So I, 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 I didn't know what was going to happen. So we, my engineer told me, you know, hey, we said, well, we're going to make the paint pocket. So we do, we do like five. And so we bought them to the man. Said, oh, this is looking fine. We decorated it so well, and you know, looking nice, all whitish. The, 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 the plastic uh, uh, paint bucket is looking all good. Different sizes. And we're in the meeting, we're having tea. 
everybody's enjoying it empty to empty you know that kind of thing i'm so oh, yeah we're, we're good so they said oh yeah so i was thinking so the appeal and the man said oh we need to get the engineers to test what you brought all right i didn't have a problem so I had to test what you brought so i'm going i'm still taking my tea so he said okay we said, okay, let's just go out together and see the test. And so, the first thing that amazed me was we kept going up, 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 up. And I'm saying, ah, why can't we do the test here? They took us to a height, so they filled the buckets with paint. And I'm saying, how is this a test? And so, they wanted to drop it from the height. A light, a light, some of a light. I didn't have to wait till he hit the floor to know where it failed. You heard this song before, Umpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Umpty Dumpty had a great fall. And it went, oh! It split into smithereens. We couldn't even pick. We saw more of the paints than our book. The second one, oh! I said, it's okay. So I looked at the face of the MDM, we looked at ourselves and said, LPO. <laughs> so he said, let's go back and take tea. I said, no. <laughs> Him going back, he said, what's the problem? What's problem was the raw material. The first thing. The second problem, the mold. The third problem, we didn't even have the machine that could do what they wanted. But you know the point? We had other people queuing up at our factory. We'll bite like that. Don't worry. Nobody will test it. <laughs> Did we sell it? You answer that in your heart if you were me. I didn't say anything, but you answered that in your heart and don't lie. But we knew that you can use it for anything that you don't want to do for long. So clear. We got it wrong from the raw material. Also, the engineers. Also, the machines. So let's bring that home. Learning something? We go for, so it starts from how we do evangelism, raw material, right? Come on. And then the guy just says, see, see, I just, I just want a God that can take me to America and go and live there. Don't worry, it is your season. If you can take this salvation thing, I'm telling you, there's nothing. I have a brother. He didn't even go to school. If you see what God did with him, you've told me around, told me. So, from your raw material, <laughs> your raw material, <laughs> there is no mold that can make it strong. <laughs> you brought the raw material unsaved. The guy just wants to go to America. <laughs> so because you know the purpose of this raw material, 
you will sell it to those women who sold it. <laughs> so every service, destiny hour. Jericho encounter. Because <laughs> the raw material is already condemned. He's already going to hell. So, remember I told you, <laughs> we packaged the bucket. It was fine. We even got someone to write the name of my company on it. He designed it under. <laughs> Is that what the paint needs? No. Why did they need that kind of material? Because they had to send it around the country. They'll put it on trucks. Those guys who are going to hold, who, 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 imagine, who, whoa. <laughs> Do you get it? Those who are going to paint it will take it to heights. And the guys who are going to paint, so which means they got to mold the material for the project. We got the modern material to make money. Just follow what I'm saying now. So, from the raw material, go and make disciples. Raw material. So, listen now. Come on. You don't get it wrong now. Since you know the reason for evangelism is to make disciples... From your outreach, the reason why you are reaching out dominates how you have that conversation. Because if all you wanted to do was like me, who had already bought a house without selling a paint bucket, and my head is like, if we sell 10,000, we'll get 500. If we sell, <laughs> you know, buy my training in business, I'm a trader. So I'm a trader. So so so, we did this, so, this, so, so I told the guys who are in the management office. It's empty. What else? Okay, you know, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. So what's it? Oh, it's, this 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 looks very good. This looks very good. This looks very good. So this one, you know that. So all you want is people in the church. So you can take pictures on Facebook and say the word is growing. All you want is people that can help your dream come true. So. From your raw materials, it's clear what you're doing. So, you go. If you are like those guys we sold to, imagine if they own the pack. The, interestingly, right now they have their own manufacturing company. So they, they do. So, from if they're going to have management meeting, and you have the chief engineer of the lab, the lab scientist, everybody seated, the salesman, the the marketers and all there, and the MD seated. You know what I'm talking about. The sales guy just says, we need to move this thing very quickly. Hold on. <laughs> they ask the lab man, so, what is the required specification? They ask the engineer. So, what's the target market? We want a product that people can use for years so that we don't go for short-term goals. We go for long-term goals. That's eternity, right? Are you following what I'm saying? So we sit down. So everybody's thinking. The, the MD, he's there. 
and then the chief, chief engineer is saying, this is how we're going to do it, or God, this is how we're going to do it. He has an experience. He says, we need this, we need this, we need that. And somewhere in the mind of the marketer, the marketer says, ah, if we use all of this one, our price will be too high, oh. It will be too high, people will not buy, oh. The MD says, well, it might be too high, but if it's going to last, people will pay for it. If it's going to last. The marketer thinks he's trying to get his own allowances. What do you call that thing? Um, commission. Commission. I want 30 souls today. Come on now. Oh, I got the point. <laughs> I want 100 souls. I want 1,000 souls. Marketer. Right? But no, you got to have the cap of a marketer, chief engineer, the lab man, and the overall MD who's a shepherd. Who says, no, 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 no. I need to present them blameless before Jesus. Mr. Yana, following this, come on. Does it make sense? So you sit down and you have to think. We can have this same quantity in production if we pay the price. Right? We can have, the marketer says, I want to sell 100,000 buckets. We can do 100,000 buckets because Going for quality does not compromise quantity. We can have 100,000. It just means, come on now, guys. We have to work overtime, right? We have to pay the price. And that's what Yakel House has been doing for years. And I am grateful for the kind of person your pastor is. He is diligent. He's faithful and focused. Come on, give me a round of applause. That's the point. We want people we can present. If we drop them from a height, I can turn my back and say, prove it. It will not break. That's the point. And we can have them in quantity. Look at all those big manufacturing companies. They didn't start that way. They started by being consistently faithful, sticking to quality. Over time, it will grow. Come on now. But those guys that went fly by night, whoop, 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 they brought a, you know, one machine from Taiwan. They are moving, moving. You see, moving, moving, moving. Before you know it, I say, ah. My daughter was going to school with um, the teen. Just say, oh, baka. I say, ah, it's true. Gradually, all that fame becomes infamy. But the guy who's patient, right? Takes his time. Don't, don't forget, he's still going for the quantity because the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. But it has to be the glory of the Lord. Is that clear? So, he takes his time. Everybody sits in the management meeting. So, you as a disciple, you must have all those caps. Hope I'm flowing with you. Are you getting this at all? He sits down and he says, we must get the quantity but the quantity must come from the quality. From the raw materials. What do we tell people on the streets of Accra? On the streets of Kumasi? On the streets of... What do we tell them to get the raw materials? So that's the first step. We go and preach. We go and preach. We preach the gospel. First Corinthians 2, 1. Paul says, <laughs> when I came to you, 
I came not in the excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. He says, I determined not to know anything among you, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then he says, my speech and preaching, this is critical, that's the raw material, was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of God, wisdom of men, sorry, but in the power of God. We speak this wisdom among them are perfect, not the wisdom of this world, the prince of the world that come to nothing, but the hidden wisdom which God had hidden before the world for our glory. For as it's written, for as this prince of the world knows it, that they know it, they don't have crucified the world. For as it's written, I has not seen, he has not heard, neither has it entered into the house of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his word. Verse 10. So you have God's word being preached properly to the unsaved. Then you get the right raw material. Come on now. But the job isn't done because if I get the raw materials, then I sell the raw materials. I am a reseller. I am not a manufacturer. So if all I do is get people born again, then that's all. Thank God for the raw materials. But that's not the end product. The end product is to turn it into what can be used. So, which means, look up guys, if I'm going for evangelism today, my target is to raise ministers for Jesus. Come on now. Does that make sense? So, what kind of minister do you want to raise? If I'm going for evangelism, I'm not just going to add to the list of the souls I've won. No, that's just raw materials. That's reselling. Are you following my illustrations? Yeah, I like these illustrations because it was what a bad experience for me. So you see, sometimes you preach out of your experiences and you, people are laughing and you are saying, hey, it's funny to you, Abby. <laughs> she get it. So that's the point. His, you need to say, what am I going to achieve here? A minister of the gospel, which means in going for evangelism, I want to raise a pastor from that drug addict, from that prostitute. That takes us to Matthew 4, 19. Jesus said, that's the first process, follow me and I will what? make you fishers of men. I will make you. So, from the first contact, he knew what he wanted to do with them. Follow me and I will make you. So, <clears throat> you're going out for evangelism today. What do you want to make? What kind of person you want to make? What do you want to make out of the person? What kind of product you want to get? Don't forget my illustration. We just wanted to make money. But the money never came. Because <laughs> the bucket went, Woo! Oh! I'm still remembering the scenario. And I was so ashamed. Because, you know, if I had seen just the head of the department, have, my shame would have been covered better. But I'm with the managing director. 
the guy that nobody sees easily. So the person who took me to the managing director, a very influential Nigerian, just looked at me and felt, wow. Then I said, saying, what kind of machines do you have? Oh, gosh. Who are your engineers? Oh, God. The only thing they didn't say is, sorry, who asked you to go into this industry? They said it without saying it. Why? Because I didn't do my own work. So when you start seeing believers on the streets acting badly, it's either they're not born again or they're not well brought up. And they will bring shame. Shame. Glory to God. Say glory to God. So the raw material. As you go, Paul says, I determined not to know anything amongst you, but Christ and him crucified. So, don't forget a very, very critical point I made the other time. I said, you can have quantity without compromising quality. Because, let me tell you something. We have, now, usually, humanity likes extremes. We like one extreme. If you tell people, Jesus is the healer. The power of God heals the sick. As soon as they hear that, doctors are evil. Right? Then you come again and say, no, 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 no. Medical science, right, is a method by which we can stay healed. God's word is not against medical science. Ooh, they move again. Ooh, they become drug addicts. Rather than use these or that, why not these and that? We want the quantity with the quality. Anybody like that this morning? See? So it's not either or. No. We want the earth to be covered with the glory of God, but it has to be the glory of God. So, so now, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Which means your evangelism must have a vision. What am I going to make of this person? And try and be like Jesus. If these guys are raw guys, they're not, they're not uh, the typical, they're, they're just raw guys. You know, they're just very uncouth guys, you know, that he, he, he just found. Follow me. And I'll make you pieces of men. So that's first thing. The raw material. The raw material. Get it right from that point. Because no matter how you try to disciple an unsaved person, if he's not born again, he's not born again. You can't follow up darkness. Is that clear? He has to be born again. So, don't forget the process now. <clears throat> I said, after the raw material, the most critical thing will be the mold. And that comes to you and I. The mold is the discipler. What kind of model are you? I told you. Now, there was kind of mold we did one time. And then, my friend brought those guys, he brought like four of them. And one of them 
As we kept producing, we kept producing, we kept producing. There was just a mark. It will cut somewhere in the middle. It will cut. Until we brought an expert, he said, no matter how long we do it, it will keep cutting because the model is wrong. So what do we do? We go and repair the mold and make sure that the mold gives you exactly what you want. So it took a while to repair the mold. That shows you that as a member of Yakal House, Saints Community, whatever church you're from, you are part of the entire project. What you do or you don't do is part of the mold. Remember yesterday I asked you a question. I said, imagine if everyone does what you do. If everyone comes to church when you came. If everyone decides to do the things you do. If everybody acts the way you do. Think about that as the mold. The problem is, <laughs> a bad mold, if we do a test run, and then, hope oh, oh, I'm communicating this. If we do a test run, that's fair enough. We, we get five bad materials, and then we stop. So we go back and correct the mold. And we say, hey guys, let's go correct this. This is not a good one. So we go back, correct the mold, and what do we do? Then pastor does workers' meetings, right? Then he teach and teach and teach and teach and teach so that we don't, watch, mass produce bad product. Because if we don't look at the mold and we just keep producing because we just won't have people, we're going to multiply our troubles. I always say this to pastors of the community church, they're here. I say, the moment you detect a problem in the church, don't wait for it to grow. It will become, now, what usually happens, let me show you, come on, look up, look up now. This is, hope I'm communicating now. Making sense? Actually, somehow I'm preaching something I only preach in church. I've never preached this in church. <laughs> so somehow I got on it for you. Amen. You must have prayed well, right? Uh, you, 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 you're manipulators in this church. Because yeah. I'm, I'm preaching this on Sunday. Amen. <laughs> but I just was letting stuff out of here. So you have, because I've never used this illustration ever before. Yeah. So, because I'll pray it on Sunday. But somehow, you got me to say, part of the age to come. <laughs> so, now, you saw the problem that we have members that come in late. Now, there's a workers. Or, workers not living right. Who tell lies, who cheat, who have unrestrained sexual conduct, or those who are stingy, or those who don't read the Bible. Now, you saw that amongst 50 people, and you didn't deal with it. Now, two things are going to happen. The 50 people, as soon as we had 20, who had, you know, such challenges. So you let it go. Won't hurt anybody. And so the number grows. Now you sit back and see a church filled with indisciplined, half-big Christians 
So you have two choices. To go back to the drawing board and repair the mold. Or, I'm going to say something in a moment. <laughs> Find a market for it. You are going to create a theology for your error. And say, look, God is love. God is love. See, see, there's nobody that is perfect. God is love. The most important thing is just have a relationship with him. A personal relationship. You know what you're trying to cover up. You say, well, you know, you know, in this church we don't make you feel at home. You know, you already know they're not at home. Because it's not their house. They're not born again. So they say, what make you feel at home? You say, you know, so you do everything to make them comfortable. Because, don't forget, you now have many molds. In fact, in the pastor's seat, the, lead, the pastor is not even with Bible. The praise worship leader, who is a leader, just say, go, 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 go. Come on, somebody, you church. Woo! You know why he's doing that? Because he can't see a difference between a Shatawale crowd. You know, I know him. And a church crowd. He thinks maybe it's just crowd. So he says, Woo! You ready for church? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Jesus. You know what? The mold is bad. So you create a theology for your error. It's now becoming intractable. The problem has increased. Even the leaders can pray. You say, let us pray. The leaders are saying like, blah, blah, blah. Hey, blah, blah. Tobi and Sambala. Shedrach. Meshach. I've the nigga. Leaders. Right? So you just say, you know, prayer is fellowship. Don't mind all these people that just think you will pray in long hours. No, it's fellowship. You are just with the Father and you are having a communicate with the Father, even just whatever I say from your heart is prayer. Thank you, Jesus. You know why that theology came up? Because you want to manage the bad products that you have in the system. Let me see you before what I'm saying here now. So the mold is bad, and because the mold is bad, you don't want to take the patience, the pain to repair the mold. And you have bad engineers too. Go, pastor, go, pastor, go. Let's do it. And then, the person who is supposed to use the product, it has to be vessels unto honor. Come on now, you there. It has to be vessels unto honor. If it's not, there's this, uh, there's this advertisement, I don't know whether it's in your country. If it is not Panadol, eh? It is not the same thing as man at all. Do you have that advert here too? Oh, right. It was in Nigeria. Because people started having all sorts of pain relievers. So Panadol had to come and say, if it is not Panadol, it's not the same thing as Panadol. If he's not a solid Christian, he's not a solid Christian. Don't say, I declare and decree. 
Omo, it doesn't work that way. I declare and decree you are solid. Is that what Paul said? I declare and decree you know the word. I declare and decree you are sound. It's not just sound, it's sound system. Because the mold is wrong. You can house, brothers and sisters, you are the mold. If you let God, your pastor, down, he has a choice, though. Recall the kind of people we're going to produce. We're going to be in trouble. We, <laughs> we're trying to do something. <laughs> I don't know what I can say. I can't actually. <laughs> and we're trying to do something with a Christian organization. And then they told us, ah, to get it done, we have to settle people. Christian organization. <laughs> uh, oh, don't act like you know what I'm talking about. God punished the three of you. And we're going, oh, wow. <laughs> but, but you know, Paul, the problem is they didn't even say it like it's something of shame. Do you get it? Why? And I'm not talking about the lower rung of the ladder. No. That means the mold was so bad, no one did anything about it. And the funny thing might be, the MD, the pastor, might be a good person. Having a good heart isn't good enough. Eli was a good man. Eli's only problem was he left the mold the way it was. So when you have a pastor... Who gives you what you want is setting you up for trouble. Eli was like that. His kids slept with the women at the altar. They took the tithe. They ate stuff. They were unruly. The whole town knew about it. Eli did nothing. That was the only thing Eli did wrong. Up to Samuel 3, he could still hear God. He knew what? He knew it was God calling Samuel. But he just couldn't put the thing on there. And I say to them, my, my colleague pastors are here. Every time we examine what we have, I tell them oftentimes, because we're going to have to tell Jesus what we're doing. Everybody can applaud you, but if you leave for applause, you have been stupid. God is not your fan. Hey! Our blues, they already seem blue now. <laughs> Bless you. Glory to God. The red devils too have been chased out of town. He put all the enemy under your foot. That's what the Bible says. So. Glory, 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 glory. Where were we? <laughs> so, the mode is bad. The worst is for the pastor to be the bad mode. That one closed down the company. There's nothing to repair. So, listen carefully now. In discipleship, unlike teaching, you are actually reproducing yourself. So, if you came to the service, when is Sunday service? Eight o'clock, right? No more Sunday service. No more Sunday service. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock. If you came at nine, in a, now, in sense, coming to church, your pastor doesn't have to do this, but. We shut the doors at some point. And so, we shut the doors. If you come in late, we shut the doors, you stay outside. 
So I had some time to, some of the leaders were staying outside. Now the usual excuse is, well, sir, uh, um, I want to get my disciples. So I told them, you are discipling them wrongly. You are starting them early to come late to church. That is what you are teaching them. 1994, 1995. I used to take, now uh, we, we ran Sunday service in the evening, so I used to take uh, my disciples to a particular church in Lagos. Now, I said in Ikorodu, if you know Nigeria very well, in Lagos, Ikorodu is quite a distance. You, 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 now, then without traffic, it was about one hour drive. Now, just um, walk in the spirit. So, we used to attend two services, 7.30 and 9.30, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Hear what I'm about to say. I did this practically 18 to 24 months. We weren't late for one service. And I took a bus. I'm talking 28, no, 27, 26 years ago. We didn't get late. I hate coming to church late. It's the height of irreverence. On the bus, we got there are times we got to church when they are cleaning the auditorium and we're there early because I was trained to be in service 15 minutes before the way Brother Kumuyi trained us. Brother Kumuyi, sorry, Pastor Kumuyi, now the pastor, the general superintendent of Deeper Life Bible Church. I was in Deeper Life Bible Church. You had to, he trained us to sit down during service, sorry, before service, pray before the service. When the service is over, if you know Deeper Life very well, you know Deeper Life Bible Church? They don't finish the sermons. As a sermon, and they, as a service, they finish the services by prayer. So we don't have to leave at the same time. So I was in the corner praying over what he heard. That's how I was trained. So we began to shut the door. Now, someone told me, I'm no longer coming to your church. I said, why? He said, why should you shut the doors? I said, it's our doors. I didn't shut your doors. I shut our doors. He said, well, just think. I said, you don't have to come. There are churches down the road. And he did go to another church. You know why? There's a mold there that, that, that can fit in for him. Those who stroll into the service. Where were you when we started praying? Where were you when we were singing? The worst one, you come in the middle of the sermon and you hear half truth. Where were you? What were you doing? Some can't even attend the service if they don't get the right clothes they want to wear. Excuse me? Excuse me? That is the garment of shame instead of the garment of praise. So the come move. You're in a relationship? Are you straightforward about it? Do you have a transparent relationship that we can all look at? That's the model you are reproducing. Do you give? You got a brand new car, but no brand new giving. You have a Mercedes-Benz lifestyle. I don't know what you use here, but there's something in our country called Keke. Do you have Keke here? And you have a keke giving. You are on, you have a G-Wagon car, you come to you call the car park. And you come down from church. You, know, you come down. They open the car to you. You're in church. 
bless you. And your, your perfume fills the, like the, the glory fills the temple. You come in there with a the whom? Brother, sh- with the crease around. Time to give offering. We cannot relate your car and your offering. Your car and your offering are like, it separated the light from the darkness. Am I making sense here? Come on. That's a mold. So you are a mold. You are a mold. You're a married man. You have kids. Married woman, you have kids. And then you don't go to prayer meetings because you have children. You have to take care of your children. So I asked those. I said, okay, so does it now mean from your model now, every married woman and man shouldn't pray? No. You should set the examples for every married woman and mother. My wife's an interesting human being. We've grown to know one another and interestingly, <clears throat> next few weeks, I've known her for 24 years. We've done ministry together that long. <laughs> you know, sometimes she's taking care of our children. <laughs> our children. And I'm talking to her about the ministry. They are my children. I love them. And we're done about ministry. I asked about the children. Like I'm talking to two different persons. <laughs> I'm quite I'm quite crazy like that, so don't try to marry me. <laughs> so I'm like, how do you want others to be? So I told many folks, I said, look, look at my wife. I said, we had church. We had World Changes Conference. We had this, and she'll bring the children right there. She'll go lead the prayer meeting right there. I said, that's the kind of model that she created for you. That's model. You have people who have shown the example. Pastor Wale is here. He, that was a year like that. He had quite an experience. I'm, I think I can share this because everybody knows the story. And he had quite a sorrowful experience. I'm not sure I can bear what he bore. So I'm like, okay. Um, let me give you an example of what I'm saying. He buried his father and mother the same day. So when you hear songs, they didn't come out of excitement. Amen. Same day. I was there. And that was the day because we had fixed this before we had Believers Convention. And I said, you know, go take some time and rest. You know, He said, no. I will lead the worship. Now, naturally, if you ask some guys to lead worship at that time, they'll not be singing in tongues. Oh, you are the heel of my pain. You are the one that takes away my sorrow. Nothing like that. If I didn't tell you that was eight years ago, you would not have known that is the model. Come on. Are you in church? That's the model we're speaking about. I'm sure he carried his pains, his sorrows, 
but he had to be right for us. He had to live the Christ life. He had to, in spite of what he was feeling, be the Christian. Let's follow what I'm saying today. Yeah? That is what we're talking about. It's not just teaching. It's showing the model. You just had a business loss. One million dollars are gone. We call you for a prayer meeting in the morning. Pastor, you know what I'm facing. What are you facing? You know what I'm facing. What are you facing? Red Sea. You know, he said, Pastor, you know now. You know now. You know now. My husband just left me. Did God leave you? How many of us grieve over souls the way we grieve over being jilted? Okay, that's a word of knowledge, I guess. And the guy goes, and you know some guys are very rude. They just send you a text message. I don't think I want to be involved in this relationship again. Text message. I mean, that's quite terrible. And the guy, read, the, the lady reads, I mean, her name is out of the book of life on the text message. She brings out, oh, oh. The pastor calls her. She doesn't pick her call for her, the whole day. Pastor goes to her house and says, what's happening? She's, you know, pastor. <clears throat> what happened? Tell me. Don't worry, sir. It's all, it's, it is well. Tell me. <laughs> pastor, no problem. You taught us to act on the word. Oh, I did the word. Tell me. It's Brother James. Two days ago, he sent me a text. She's crying, and Pastor takes her time. He said, Give her a tape to go and listen to. And you call, How are you now? I'm, I'm holding on well, sir. Pastor, seven years of my life. Seven years of my life. When did you ever cry like that over a disciple that stopped coming to church? You don't say, Seven months in church. It's not like I do it the world. You just say, Just wasted my time. <laughs> you see? So, what kind of mold are you? What kind of mold are you? Yesterday, I gave you the story of Joseph Arimathea. Arimathea. Joseph is a wealthy guy. He's the kind of guy that, you know, and let me tell you something because I do some church history, some Bible history. In Jerusalem, less than 1% in Israel were rich people. So when they say rich people, we know them. It's not a confession. We know them, you know. We, the poor, know the rich. <laughs> so this guy is so wealthy, he goes to Pilate directly. He doesn't use the secretary of Pilate. He says, sir, can I have the body of that guy, Jesus? I mean, who talks like that? Can I have the body of that guy, Jesus? Had a boss of mine, and, and uh, I worked with, I worked with uh, a, man, a man like that. He very influential in Nigeria and Africa, even in your country. And, uh, and I was working with him. So we had to travel sometimes to African countries. I saw influence. I mean influence. One time like that, I traveled with him to one country in West Africa. And they, as the plane landed, they didn't allow anybody to get down. 
Just go in. We need advocate. Advocate. That's my lawyer. Both my name like this. And I'm not in the business class. But all business class guys, they stayed, they sat down and minded their business. Till I walk through. I'm going, bye-bye business class, guys. I'm going. You know, influence. One time I, I was going to come back to Nigeria. We're going to have World Changers Conference 2015. And so they told, 20, 2005, sorry. And they told us that, well, there was no plane Bellevue then coming to Nigeria. My boss said, don't worry. I'll get you a plane. I said, they said yeah, that is until it's three days. They said, don't worry yourself. So I said, the plane is booked. They had booked for it. We got, so we took the son of the president. You know, it's Africa. I don't want to mention that. <laughs> and we went to Bellevue office. The guy didn't speak English because he's French. He said, so he said, me want advocate on plane now. Me want advocate on the plane now. So, said, no problem. I don't know whose name they removed from the book of life. <laughs> but I had watching just conference that year. To get it. Me want me. Boom. And I'm in. So that's Joseph Arimathea. Wealthy. If you see his phone number, you start shaking. But he is a disciple. Matthew 27, 57. He's seated in church. He doesn't show his, you know, some guys, you know that they are big boys. At some point in the service, they just came to hear the sermon. As soon as pastor is saying, glory to God, have you been blessed? They just get up. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know them. Or they come late. Because they, they can't, they can't, act. no, 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 they don't sit in front. They sit at the back. No, no, not you. Sit at the back. Just. Pastor is teaching about taking notes. You know. That's right, that's right, that's right. His Bible is sitting in a casket, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's all. What kind of model are you? You're telling us that anybody is wealthy. He stops being a Christian. So I said, Pastor, you know, I'm very busy. It's what I do. I'm very busy. I'm very busy. I'm very busy. One guy like that. He was very committed. You know, those kind of guys, before they got a job, they do boss evangelism. Keke evangelism, street evangelism, toilet evangelism. Doesn't have a job yet. That's why he's that active. He's, evangel- he's doing evangelism everywhere. Mosque evangelism. He's everywhere. Then he got a job. He rose through the ranks. He became the deputy managing director of a multinational in Nigeria. Then he stopped attending services. So he attends when he's available. So he now tolerates Christian service. So he comes around. So the pastor stops seeing him. Every church has those kind of people. Don't, don't look at me like I'm saying something you don't know. Some guys are very fervent. Those of you on campus, God bless you, I know. I know you want to be at every service. You tell pastor, why are we having one? Can't we have two different teachings every Sunday? Pastor, let's grow. Let's wait. Let's wait till the money comes. When they give you offer of employment letter, and you say, hey! Eight figures, your first salary. Let's see how you enter service. Whether it be normal. Will you come normal like this or you go? 
is money that is working. <laughs> so this guy, every church has people like that. They are now very busy. You know, Pastor, you know what I do. I have to see the president and the president's grandmother. And, you know, I have a meeting with the AU. In fact, right now, Putin has told me to talk to Biden. So I'm going to go, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're very busy. I give you an illustration. Solomon, a young man, goes to the temple. He says, God, I don't want wealth. I don't want riches. I won't trade you for silver and rock. I won't trade you for riches and stone. Solomon says, you are my everything. And he prays. And God says, Solomon, you've asked for wealth. Not even for the life of your enemies. I'll give you money. Does it really matter? He said, I worship you. I worship you. You are the reason I live. Heard you. He prayed. He said, that your name be upon this place, first Kings 8. He said, that strangers will come from every nation. They'll worship you here. When the money came, <laughs> even his pastor has to fill visitors' form. People were coming from far and wide to see him. He wasn't going to that temple again. Neither were the strangers going there. They were now coming to him. He was now very busy. First Kings 10, he was so busy. He had appointments upon appointments. So when we see him in prayer meeting, we are happy. Wow, I thank God you came. You came, you know, I really want to be in church. Sincerely, my heart is always with you. You know, I really miss church. You know, but you know what I do? But I try to join you guys online. You know, I, I told a friend of mine to always get me the teaching, you know. <laughs> Not seeing you guys. I can see church is doing fine. <laughs> Solomon. So, what did he do? He now entered compromise. As a king that should defend Israel, rather than now here. He, you know, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Uh, 300 wives and 300 concubines. See, even if he were a machine, he couldn't have been sleeping with them. He had just three children. So the wives were product of compromise. They were to have covenants and treaties. It was worldliness. So that there won't be war, he reached compromise agreements. And the result was women. But for every compromise, there's an idol to worship. And each of the wives wanted him to build a temple for their gods. So those who claim they are too busy for church, hear me, there's something they are worshipping. You created an idol to worship. I like the quiet I get in service today. Is it fine? Is it a good sign? with quiet. Amen. Solomon is so busy no time to pray. Now he prays as he's driving. Thank you Father in Jesus name. Amen. He no longer hears the word. He now has Bible on tape. He's playing in his car. No more evangelism. He's now into charity. He used to go on the street to preach. Now he's distributing clothes. Because his conscience is pricking him. He has a lot of money. We see him on Forbes list. He's everywhere. 
every church would like to have him. Some of the churches say, ah, do you know that Solomon attends our church? Eh? Your church is moving, who? But 1 Kings 11 says, he now loves strange women. Because with lack of devotion comes strange appetites. See what's going on right now. Look up now. We're discussing a model. Who wants his name to be discussed like this? No one. He didn't wish for it. He now built Solomon who used to kneel down and worship God. Now we find him in the temple of Asheroth. He's kneeling down. He used to sing, For the cross I bow my knees. He's now bowing to this world. Because every human being is a worshiper. It's only what we worship that differs. So, his schedule. Now, oh, watch this. How come his schedule was so tight? I taught them this in church. I teach it over the years. Oftentimes, when people talk about time management, first of all, ask them whether they have managed their appetites. Have you managed your appetite? You want more? Let me ask you this question. Do you know how many cars you want to have and you'll stop? Do you actually know it? Do you know how many children you want to have and you'll stop? Do you know how many houses you want to build and you'll stop? Or you want to cover the earth with your houses? You should know when your desires are met. I had a friend. I, I trained him, he was younger, younger preacher, you know, in the 90s. And he was like a disciple, so he used to call me, interestingly, <laughs> my nickname then was Prof, Prophet. So, some of you probably don't know that. And so he, um, you know, because I used to give him direction in the 90s, 95, 96. So he got a job, an offer, outside the country, Middle East, when things were very tight then. So we we prayed about it. I even prophesied over his life. And he said, I'm going to take Asia. I'm going to take me. And we prayed and prophesied. He left the country and he went. So because he was a medical doctor, he began a, an underground fellowship of believers. He got all his members who were new converts. You know what I mean by that? All of them, Muslims, some of them sons of sheikhs, and he got saved. So we used to talk virtually every day on the phone then. There was no, there was no GSM then. So we talked on you know, the normal phone. We'd speak. We'd talk sometimes hours and hours and hours. You know, so those are the kind of things that my father sees the phone bills and he says, Ah! <laughs> they can't stop. So, now he got two jobs. One's contract, one is permanent. They gave him free house, free cars. No one's giving free wives. And so, without discussing with me, he went for a third one. I mean, he was in his 20s. He got a third one. And with all the perks of office. One of the things you know is he stopped talking to me like before. And then one day he sends, he calls me. He used to send me letters by post, post box. So I take it and pick it. I, I didn't have to pick his letters for a while. I was wondering what was going on. 
So one day he called and said, ah, sorry, I forgot to tell you. I got another job, blah, blah, blah. But it went on and on. Then he said, you know, because of my time, I'm thinking I should hand over the fellowship to one of the members. Yakal House, hear me. If you abandon the flock, God won't trust you with anything again. I'm saying it to you and hear it loud and clear. You don't put your hands on the plow and look back and think you're fit for the kingdom. And so he abandons the flock. Gives it to a new convert. Pastor, you know the crazy thing? Then there was a restriction in that country about churches. A few months after, they lifted that restriction. How else would God judge you? One of the curses of the law is that you will labor, another will reap it. That's what happened. Today, he now has nightclubs that he founded. He has a lot of money. Not churches. I see him on Facebook and I shake my head. This didn't come to pass. He never had time management issues. He had appetite management. Why didn't Solomon say, I only want to see visitors once a week? Of course, the money will reduce. The women will reduce. But his service for the Lord will be maintained. So you have to pick a choice. You can't serve God and mammon. So it's not time management that you have. It's appetite management. So this fellow, hope you're learning something here, church. This guy, he suddenly became very busy. The first guy I started with. So the pastor just was praying for him. So one day, after a few months or years, the pastor started seeing him in all the services. First and second service, he would be there. Bible study is there. What I said, the pastor was bothered. Ah, bro, so, so, and so. I hope there's no, he even felt they had sacked him. He said, how is your job? He said, fine. He said, you are still in that company? He said, oh, yes. I got promoted. He said, eh. So he was now wondering, maybe the Lord has really touched his heart. So he now opened up to the pastor that a few months ago, he was diagnosed of a terminal disease. Oh. So you actually had time. You only had different priorities. Because the first thing about your time is that you had enough time to go for checkup. You had enough time for treatment. Went for surgery. Recuperated. So you always had time. Look at, have you ever checked your phone to see the number of hours you use on Facebook? And Twitter? That shows you you have time. You only need to have appetite management. You have two cars. You want four. You have two houses. A house. What do you want? What, do you, what else do you want? That's the point. You are in a race. A rat race going to nowhere. So what kind of model are you in this church? What kind of model? With money? With the opposite sex, women and men. What kind of model are you? What kind of model are you about your discipline? What kind of model are you the way you dress? 
How you kind of person that if you want to know the latest fashion in town, we look at you? What kind of model is that? When you are overdressing, then there's something suspect about it. Who are you trying to impress? You want to attract sexual pressure? Come on now. Am I? Is he getting home? What kind of model are you? We want to give towards church. church. Church is thinking of relocating. We want to give. What kind of model are you? Can we reproduce your kind in this church and present it to Jesus without blemish? So discipleship is not just teaching. Someone here is modeling yourself. First Timothy 4.12 Let no man despise thy youth. But be, I'm going to take on that tomorrow. But be thou an example of the believer. Someone say I'm an example. He said in spirit, in purity, in conversation. Paul, yeah, in speech, in word. Be an example. Two posts in the Greek. Be a model. An example. Brother Berkeley is here. He's got married on a Saturday. And I went to his wedding. He, he's not as holy as you see him. He, they went to gardens and flew all over. No, sit down. Come on. Don't let them know it's you I'm talking about. And so he's looked at him and said, oh, this guy should look very serious. But now on his wedding day, he wasn't looking that way. I was worse. The way I danced on my wedding day, you think I was on drugs. And my own reason was different from yours. I was yet to pay the man who brought the, man, the, the, the drinks. So I needed to dance my life so that people can spray me. So as I'm dancing, I'm telling the guy, count it, count it. Is it up to the amount? Go pay. Go. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, crazy things happen to us, right? <laughs> I was dancing. My mom said, I've never seen you like this. Ah. Don't be someone owing on your wedding day. You will do things you've never thought you'd do before. You have done before, sorry. So on his wedding day, he goes married on Saturday. On the Sunday, not just Saturday, on the Saturday, he goes to see his disciples. On the Sunday, he shows up early in church, and he goes, his wife does the same thing. Model. That's what we're talking about. Happily married, doing well. As a good husband, a good father. That's the model we're talking about. Right? Some guys, two weeks to their wedding, they're not coming to church again. Two weeks after, they're not coming. When they now come, they'll not be wearing the same dress. Come on, guys. Am, am I? Excuse me? You know, we, we got married on a, on a Friday, Saturday, too. The week before, we had camp meeting. Camp meeting was on a Sunday. We married on a Friday. So, one of our groomsmen was relative. He said he wasn't coming for the camp meeting. He was a member of the ministry. I said, why? He said he's preparing for our wedding. <laughs> what about burying other people's burdens, you know? That's like himself took our infirmities kind of stuff. <laughs> and then my mom calls me, you know, on the Monday of camp meeting, she, she says, um, I'm sorry, where are you going to live? I said, we have no house yet. Ah! Hey, where for camp meeting? I said, no problem. We had a camp meeting before the wedding. Yeah, we had to do it. In fact, let me make it worse. We got married on a Saturday, but on a Monday, Tuesday, my wife was here in Ghana. 
And she began to do ministry on the Thursday. <laughs> she said, don't try to get married to me. <laughs> All right, what were we? <laughs> that camp meeting was a camp meeting that got most of our pastors today in the ministry. Come on. That was the camp meeting they attended. I'm saying 75%. If we had gotten married, postponed the camp meeting, we would never have known what we lost. Set your priorities right. We didn't have, let me tell you how bad my wedding was like. I don't have the pictures. Because we couldn't pay the photographer. So don't get married to me, right? No, no, no. Now, the point is, can I afford photographs today? Yeah. Well, with my faith intact. Things you are huggling for today, you're going to get it. Come on. But do not compromise like Solomon. Then you now have to write vanity upon vanity. Why would you write that? All is vanity. What kind of model are you, Yaakov? What kind of a model mother are you? What kind of a model father are you? Do you raise up your kids well? Do your kids behave badly? Do your kids respect others? Are you the kind of model we want to see? Do you see go for evangelism though you're in your 60s or 70s? Are you the kind of person that we want to reproduce in this church? Or you want to be unique? Are you the kind of person that doesn't miss prayer meetings? Or you miss prayer meetings? You don't give a damn. Do we look at how you're older than pastor? Because, see, people are going to be older than pastor. Come on! In age. That's going to be. But are you the kind of person that we don't even know you're that old? Because you are the model. Are you pastor's relative and we can't see it? And if you are a pastor and leader here, are you the kind of model we want to have? Do you demand honor or do you command honor? You demand honor when you ask people to honor you. You command honor when your life makes us respect you. You choose your choice. What kind of model are you in this church? Before you set out to start teaching, what do you want to reproduce? I'll close with this text. Hope you learned something. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll have quoted it, but I want us to read it together. And then we'll sing a song. A song that I believe bless us. Don't forget the illustration. The plastic company, remember? The raw material. The mold. The final product. Don't forget my experience, right? My bad experience. Woo! Woo! Simple challenges in life. You have stopped coming to church. That is, whoo, boo. Simple problems. Whoo, boo. You have money. Whoo, boo. You are married. Whoo, boo. You don't have to take care of your children. Whoo, boo. So you are now back as a children yourself. Whoo, boo. You went abroad. Whoo, boo. What kind of model are you? First Thessalonians 2. First Thessalonians 2 now, come on. Now I'm going to read to us <clears throat> verse 9. Sorry, verse 
7 and verse 8. We want us to read it together. But we were gentle among you. Uh-huh. You even as a nurse cherish our children. Eight slowly. So being affectionately desires of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Why? If you love people, you will live right for them. Because we love you. Paul said, I could take money from you guys, but I'm not doing it so that I won't become a problem. Why am I going to work every morning? I know it's not easy. The easiest part of wealth is to sit down as a preacher and have people give to you. But I, Paul says, no, that we be examples, models. So there are things that even you're right. And you say, no. You know, you can choose to be a pastor and be the number one giver in the ministry. You can choose to be a pastor and be the number one soul winner. You can give all excuses to be the pastor's wife and you can take, and everybody will understand why you're not doing some things with us. You say, no, no, no. I have a right to have done that, but I'm not going to use that right. I will be an example for you. And that will be your choice. Blessed, stand to your feet. Let's just pray in tongues. This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support, and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you, and there's nothing you can do about it.